Hi, and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast, focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, for episode 125, we're speaking with Thomas Werchtlin of Electrum. But first, a word for the sponsors. So firstly, Kraken. A high-quality platform, one of the world's leading Bitcoin exchanges, Kraken have high trading volume and low fees with no minimum or hidden fees. Kraken also offer 24-7 support. They offer best-in-class accounting and reconciliation reporting services. And just recently, they've announced Kraken Pro mobile app. So Kraken Pro delivers all the security and features you love about the Kraken exchange in a beautiful mobile-first design for advanced Bitcoin trading on the go. Kraken also have an OTC desk for more private, personalized service for large block trades, 100,000 USD or more. And Kraken also offer Kraken margin up to 5x, long and short, and also futures up to 50 times leverage to benefit from price swings or to hedge your price risks. So go to kraken.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is a Bitcoin financial services company empowering customers with financial freedom and control. All their products and services are built on the foundation of multi-sig. And they've got this approach to collaborative custody, giving users control over their private keys, as well as the benefit of a financial partner and financial services. Unchained has two of three vaults, which are a great option if you're thinking how best to secure your Bitcoin for the long term. And if you ever need to access liquidity but don't want to sell your Bitcoin, Unchained offer collateralized loans with a unique option. Bitcoin stored on-chain, dedicated multi-sig addresses. It's never repothecated, and you can share in the security by holding one of three keys. Unchained Capital also recently came out with Caravan as well, so check that out. They're releasing a lot of valuable content and open source tools with more to come. I think you'll enjoy partnering with them for Bitcoin financial services. Go find out more at unchained-capital.com. Next up is CypherSafe. They're producing the Cypher Wheel product. Are you keeping your Bitcoin seed backed up? Is it fireproof? Is it waterproof, rustproof, petproof, tamper evident? If not, look into Cypher Wheel. It's a new product. It comes in the shape of a wheel and it masks the words of your seed. And there's actually a tamper evident seal as well. Make sure you've got your seed backed up in case your paper seed backup gets waterlogged or tampered or goes up in a fire. Make sure that your loved ones have access to your bitcoins if an accident occurs. So the product is available for pre-order. Go to the website cyphersafe.io. The link is in the show notes. Hey, look into givebitcoin.io. The easiest and safest way to get your friends and family into Bitcoin. Take it from me. I've given Bitcoin to people before and they lost it. They just didn't know what they were receiving. That's why I see huge value in Give Bitcoin. You can time lock, give and educate. And you can time lock it for one to five years. There's a world-class curriculum being delivered by Give Bitcoin with a bunch of well-known Bitcoiners such as Safedean, Matt O'Dell, Jan Pritzker and others. I'm also an advisor with a small equity stake assisting with the curriculum. You can also get Bitcoin as a present for birthdays, Christmas, bar mitzvahs, graduation, and weddings. So put Bitcoin on your wish list at givebitcoin.io. I really think givebitcoin.io can have a positive impact on Bitcoin adoption and understanding. So I'm excited to have them as a sponsor. So Thomas Vecklin is the founder of Electrum, one of the oldest Bitcoin wallets. It's known for having a wide range of features, though potentially not the easiest user experience, and it is perhaps more of a power user wallet. In my Bitcoin travels and discussions, I've noticed that some of the really advanced Bitcoiners or Bitcoin wizard types, they write their own wallets or they use command line wallets. So for you advanced level Bitcoiners, you know what you're doing. But for those of us mere mortals, for beginners and intermediates, I think Electrum is a good solid choice if you run your own Electrum server along with it, 
providing a nice balance of privacy, good functionality, and ability to use your own hardware wallet, such as an air-gapped cold card. If you're struggling to set up your own Electrum server, I'd suggest looking into MyNode or Noddle projects that make it easy for you to achieve this. In this interview, we talk about how Thomas founded Electrum, the SPV, Simplified Payment Verification Model, Bitcoin Seeds, and Electrum versus BIP39 Seeds, PSBT, Multisig, Hardware Wallet Support, and Lightning coming soon to Electrum. Here is the interview. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Thomas, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting you at Berlin as part of the Lightning Conference. Uh, and uh, I was really keen to discuss with you and talk about Electrum because obviously it's uh, one of the long-standing wallets in the space. Thomas, can you give us a little bit of uh, your background and your story on how you came into Bitcoin and how you started Electrum? Yes, sure. Um, the first time I heard about Bitcoin was fairly early. It was at the end of 2010. And at that time, I was a researcher in computer science in France. I was working for the INRIA. It's a research institute. So I saw an article that was uh, mentioning that uh, the market cap of Bitcoin has passed $1 million. That was, uh, I think, in November 2010. And yeah, so I... I was immediately interested because I had actually interest in cryptocurrency that was uh, quite old. So it it was a it was a topic that I was interested in and uh, I had looked into cryptocurrency and how to create a peer-to-peer currency before Bitcoin. But of course before Satoshi Nakamoto uh, nobody really had a satisfying solution. So when I thought that there was when I saw that there was something that actually worked i mean the 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 the, the million dollar cap market cap was a hint that it, it was actually working in real life and so i i was really extremely interested and so i downloaded the white paper and i tried to read it and um at first i could not understand what it was uh, because i i was reading i was trying to read it with uh, my own ideas i mean i had i had um, my own uh, ideas on top of of what it should be and so it was kind of uh, obscuring my understanding it took me like three days to read these uh, six pages <laughs> and uh, yeah <laughs> without sleeping <laughs> actually yeah and and then uh, then I, I really got interested yes so tell us a little bit then about how Electrum got started. As I understand, Electrum started in 2011. Yeah, so um, during the first, I mean, after I learned about Bitcoin, I did not immediately start to write a wallet. I was just learning how it works. And so I I was learning how exchanges work as well. I mean, I was buying, selling, this, doing, this is how you start. And then I was writing some scripts. I also uh, learned, yeah, I was writing some short scripts because I wanted to to experiment with uh, um, how private keys are stored. I was actually not very happy with uh, the Bitcoin QT wallet that was there at the time because I I wanted to have a bit more control and I wanted to, to store my own keys uh, differently. So then I I was learning how to create uh, transactions. What is the format of transactions? And I was using uh, th- there was a very early block explorer called ABE. So 
Actually, this block explorer was um, used as the ancestor of the first Electrum server. So, yeah, at the beginning, it was not a wallet. It was just some scripts that I was uh, writing for myself, and uh, I I was not publishing anything. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, it was in the summer of 2011, uh, there was a, an online wallet called mybitcoin.com that was run anonymously and that went bankrupt. So the, the operator of this wallet announced to the users that uh, 50% of the money has had been stolen. And so it created a big it created a, a big crash in the Bitcoin economy because it was really very, very popular at the time. At the time, there was not so many options for, for Bitcoin users. I mean, you could run uh, Bitcoin QT, which is uh, today known as Bitcoin Core, or you could use uh, uh, this kind of uh, website like uh, mybitcoin.com. And mybitcoin.com was uh, by far the main one. Or you could also use uh, maybe an exchange as a wallet, but there are exchanges even were not so popular at the time. So my Bitcoin Tom was really holding a lot of money, and when they announced that they were bankrupt, um, it created a, a big crash in the economy. So this is what decided me to actually publish my scripts because, I mean, I had all the ingredients to to. Uh, to publish a wallet i just had to put the pieces together and uh, so a few months after that i i published electrum i i mean the reasoning was that i i thought it is true that it's it's better to run a full node if you can run a full node but a lot of people in the bitcoin economy did not want to run a full node and those people are actually economically relevant they are a big part of the bitcoin economy so you we cannot just base the bitcoin economy on people running full nodes or we are going to divide by 100 the size of the economy so if we want to to make bitcoin safer we have to provide the same kind of user experience as uh, as a website but without the dangers of a website so that that was the reason why i, I decided to publish electron Right. As, as I understand, then it's part of it was your motivation was to help increase the availability of using Bitcoin w while uh, allowing the users to still hold their own keys. Uh, it was, I guess, the, the point of uh, Electrum at that point, at that time. Yes. Holding their own keys and also using uh, open source wallets. Yes. Yeah. And then can you contrast the different models available as well for a, for a Bitcoin wallet? Because you have SPV and then you have uh, like the Electrum model. Can you just outline some of the differences there? Oh, yes, sure. Um, okay. I mean, th there are different flavors of SPV. So I, I think uh, these days uh, we don't hear that anymore, but... Uh, um, the very first version of SPV was uh, the one that is outlined actually in Satoshi Nakamoto's paper. So this is uh, <coughs> this is SPV where you actually download the full blocks. Uh, so the wallet actually um, downloads the the blocks, but then uh, it verifies. Uh, it does not keep them, so it verifies the transactions uh, that are in the block and it trashes the block. After that, uh, there was uh, the Bloom filter that appeared, 
and uh, the Bloom filter is a method uh, that allows the wallet to request much less uh, data. So I think I, I cannot remember if Electrum was published before or after the Bloom filter. I think it was more or less the same time. Uh, so Electrum uses a different method than the Bloom filter because it uses Electrum servers that actually send to you the, the, the set of transactions that are relevant to your wallet. So during the time where Bloom filters were popular, uh, I could hear some people say, I mean, some people were equating Bloom filter with SPV uh, and implying that Electrum was not SPV because Electrum was not using the same method. But that's uh, that's not correct. Electrum, uh, I mean, SPV is about verifying that the transaction is in the chain of block headers. Uh, so it's it's only about the verification. It does not uh, assume anything about the channel that uh, you use in order to receive this transaction. So uh, in that sense, um, SPV is uh, is as secure uh, on Electrum and on a Bloom filter wallet. Yeah, I mean, there, there was this debate some, some years ago, but today uh, I think um, less and less people are using Bloom filters, so it's uh, it's much less relevant. Yeah, I mean, okay, uh, maybe I should have started by uh, mentioning that some wallets are also custodian. I don't know if that's part of your question, but uh, here we are talking about uh, non-custodian wallets where you have the control of your private keys. And uh, so in that space of non-custodian wallets, uh, the question is, um, <coughs> how do you trust the information that you receive if you are not a full node? If you're a full node, then it's uh, easier because uh, you have the block and uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can be sure uh, that uh, the transaction is in the block. Now, if you are not a full node, uh, you can you can use SPV to verify that whatever transactions you received are in the blockchain. And uh, now I should mention, uh, because of Lightning, that uh, there is another issue, which is the proof of completeness. Uh, namely, do you have all the transactions that are relevant to your addresses? So in order to address this, there is a new kind of filter, uh, BIP 158 and 157 are the, the, the BIPs that define this technology. So let's call it a reverse filter. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, so that's uh, also known as Neutrino or one implementation of that is known as Neutrino and that's by like Lightning Labs. I, I also just wanted to give a bit of an overall comment around Electrum as a wallet. I think for me, I really like using Electrum and I like using the idea of having your own Electrum server. Um, so that's always what I try to encourage my listeners to do is to get your own Electrum server going. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really the best way to do it in a way where you can interact with your own hardware wallet or if you want, you can use paper seeds and you, know, you can use multi-signature and so on. Can you comment a little bit, Thomas, on uh, the user experience of Electrum? I, I personally like using it, although I, I could understand where if somebody was a bit more of a Bitcoin beginner, they might have a little bit more difficulty figuring out how to do things with Electrum. Uh, sorry, I couldn't hear the last part. Can you repeat? Oh, sure. The, the sure. last sentence. Yeah, so I was just saying uh, the user experience of Electrum, it might be considered more like a... 
like a power user interface. Uh, would you agree with that, or do you do you think it, it's something that can be uh, made easier for people, or is it more like this is this is the power user tool to use? It's very difficult. We are trying to make it as simple as possible, but at the same time, we constantly get uh, people who want to have new features. So um, my goal is really to make it simple, but uh, so I'm trying not to have too many things displayed at the same time in the interface, but sometimes it's not possible. Uh, There is a... I mean, in the end, it's also a trade-off with security because if you simplify things too much, then you might uh, lose some security. Uh, But if you make things, if you make security complicated, then uh, you're losing users. Um, So it's a very difficult question. I, I, I cannot really... I mean, I would like Electrum to be as simple as possible, but there are things that uh, take time to, at least, uh, for example, now we are going to release Lightning and uh, I'm fully aware that the user experience in Lightning in the first versions will not be as simple as it could be. This is going to become easier with further iterations, but uh, not at the beginning. Yeah, sure. And I've, in my view, I've always seen Electrum as one of those wallets which really shows you everything that's happening, right? It's showing you the options around things like RBF and showing you the specific coins and coin control. Mm-hmm. It's different to some of the wallets that hide that away and put that away in the background under the hood, so to speak. But the other part I think that should be brought up is that Electrum, as I understand it, has been generally quite quick to implement new features, new address types, and so on. What's been your view on that? Mm, I'm not sure if we've been released so quick. So, yeah, it depends. I mean, uh, okay, the, the Python language makes it easy to, to develop things quickly. Um, that's one thing. <laughs> um, but if you look, for example, at... Uh, Multisig, we were not the first wallet to have Multisig. It was actually Armory. And um, so we delayed Multisig until uh, P2SH was standardized. And it actually turned out to be a good thing because the Multisig that was offered by Armory has not not been uh, used anymore. Um, now... Um, yeah, we ha- we have been fast with Segvit actually. With Segvit, I think we were, I don't know, maybe one of the first wallets to have Segvit. That's true. Um, and when it comes to Lightning, we are not at all the first. Uh, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I in mean, my mind, I was thinking more of Segwit, but yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Segwit was kind of what I mean. Segwit was not very difficult. I mean, it was just. Uh, it's uh compared compared this to lightning it's nothing yeah yeah i i can imagine uh putting lightning into a wallet is much more of a involved task than implementing segwit into the wallet and i think that to me brings up another question in my mind is uh setting standards because sometimes especially for you being uh one of the creators of one of the earlier wallets it might be difficult then dealing with standards that change over the time because you might have come out with a certain way and then another standard comes out and i can i can appreciate that that would have been difficult for you can you comment a little bit on uh how you've tried to face that oh yeah that's true uh 
One example of, of that is uh, the PSBT format, the partially signed Bitcoin transaction. So we had a custom format. Uh, uh, we have had that for years, uh, long before PSBT was standardized. And uh, so actually, yeah, not, not really uh, waiting for a standard to be established is a way to, to go faster, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, now we have, uh, I mean, the next version of Electrum will actually support the PSBT format. And uh, since we do not want to have two formats at the same time, we, we decided to remove the, the, the Electrum uh, uh, in-house format for partially signed transactions that we had. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, in that instance, it was easy because uh, this uh, this format is not sticky. You know, you you can you can uh, you can change it uh, if you happen to have uh, an offline machine and an online machine. Of course, you need to upgrade both because they need to understand each other. But uh, there is no harm in changing the the format. Uh, another example where there is harm is actually the the seed format uh the the mnemonic seed because uh, electrum was uh, also uh electrum was the first wallet to have a, a 12 english word format representation of the of the cryptographic seed that uh, is used to generate your private keys <coughs> and um I was not happy actually uh, with the BIP39 format that appeared later, so we never used it in Electrum. Um, so yeah, some, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, it's uh, it's not a problem to upgrade, but sometimes it is. Yeah, gotcha. So with the I guess while we're talking about that PSBT and BIP39, so for PSBT, are you finding that that is Mainly, just that's the way the industry is going. Most people are, you know, are, are starting to talk about PSBT or cold card, for example, is natively PSBT. Uh, was that the main reason that you decided to sort of change back to going uh, to drive back towards going with PSBT? Yeah, actually, uh, I think I looked at the PSBT uh, spec quite late. Actually, uh, I started to really uh, look into it only a few weeks ago because we were implementing it. Yeah, I mean, having our own standard was not an incentive to to actually uh, use this. But uh, it seems that this format is uh, actually going to be the standard and it's uh, it's fairly well designed. Um, I. Yeah, I think the, the, the beep is reasonable. There are a few things that I don't like or that I don't understand. I don't know, like uh, um, it seems to me quite annoying that the format is different uh, when you save the transaction in a file or when you uh, use it in the command line because then you cannot uh, use the, the output of your command line and just uh, move it in a file. I mean, this doesn't seem i mean i don't know exactly why why this choice but uh, maybe i should ask the the author yeah mm. <laughs> right yeah and just the <laughs> listeners interested check out my earlier episode with andrew chow episode 99 so you can get uh, listeners can get more info on what psbt is 
there. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there is also this uh, in in the PSBT format. There is uh, this fingerprint of. I mean, you're supposed to 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 put the fingerprint of the root, but actually you don't want to because you want to put the fingerprint of the intermediate key that you're using in your wallet in order not to disclose the root. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe the, the standard should have allowed explicitly this instead of... Uh, because currently the standard seems to impose that uh, the thing, what you what you give as the fingerprint of the root is actually a root fingerprint. So it has depth zero. Um, the depth is uh, is actually affecting the fingerprint. But if you are using a different depth, then you have to fake it. And uh, so this this is uh, I don't know maybe I mean there don't seem to be a reason for 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 doing that actually. But okay, these are details. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm keen to discuss about uh, BIP39 as well. So BIP39, um, just for listeners, that's the one of the standards that uh, came out and that is around generating the memnonic and converting it into your binary seed and then that can be later used to generate the deterministic wallets like BIP, you know, using BIP32 or other methods. Uh, so BIP39 is used in a lot of different um, products like Trezor and Ledger and Coldcard. Uh, but Thomas, I understand you have some concerns about BIP39. What were, what were your main concerns around BIP39? Oh, uh, I have many. Uh, the main one is uh, that uh, it doesn't have a version number. So, okay, when I started Electrum, I had a custom format uh, that was also using 12 words. And that also did not have a version number. Um, so I was thinking that other wallets would kind of adopt the same standard. But then uh, these guys came up with uh, something they thought would be superior, basically because it had a checksum. And... <coughs> and uh, uh, the... The problem, if you don't have a version number, is that uh, there is no specification of how to derive. Okay, the 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 way to derive your private keys from your mnemonic seed is not part of the BIP. It's actually specified in another set of BIPs, so BIP forty three, forty four, and so on. And uh, the problem <laughs> is that <laughs> this uh, specific this uh, this is not well specified because uh, there might be an uh, I mean the set of derivations that are allowed is not bounded. Uh, you can add new derivations over time for a given seed, uh, which means that uh, if you have a software that derives certain keys, and uh, some years later, other software might use a different standard and derive over key, other keys. So depending on the software that you use, I mean, it doesn't even have to be years later because even currently with the different BIP39 implementations, apparently they are not able to, to derive the same keys. Um, so it was especially the problem with uh, multi-bit. Um, so... The issue is that uh, if you have a BIP39 seed and uh, 
you enter it into a Bitcoin wallet, you have absolutely no guarantee that you will recover your money because it depends on what the wallet implements. So that means that when you save your seed, you should actually also save probably the derivation if you're if you're technical enough to understand what a derivation is. Or if you are not, you should actually write down what kind of wallet it was, the, the software name and the version. And uh, this defeats the purpose of using 12 words because if you have to add technical information in addition to those 12 words, then why do you use 12 words at all? I mean, why do you this this representation is supposed to to be for non-technical users? And here they have completely destroyed this idea uh, by uh, imposing. I mean, they created a system where there is no guarantee that you recover your money because there is no version number that tells you how to derive your keys. So the only way to work around this is to add technical information to your backup. Uh, it's not safe. Uh, lots of users don't understand what's going on with that. And uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a terrible standard. So so with that, uh, I guess now we have, well, and it, I guess like to your point, it is a bit of a hack workaround, but now we've got websites that uh, Rodolfo Novak and Janine from Block Digest made, which is uh, walletsrecovery.org. And they're literally trying to list out for every wallet what is the default derivation path? What is the you know uh, what's the status in terms of BIP thirty nine and PSBT? And you're right, it it, it yeah, good luck with that. Creates, <laughs> yeah, it sort of re injects that technical uh, mm-hmm. need for understanding on some of these uh, potentially with something like output descriptors. Maybe that was something that somebody could just back that up, right? So they could just back up the output descriptor and that would show, okay, here's the extended public key, here was the derivation path. And you just you just tell the user, okay, just back this up. You don't have to worry about what it is, just back it up. And then later, somebody who knows how to deal with it can in- re-ingest that and then figure out, oh, okay, here's your... Okay, here's your BIP 39, 12 words or 24 words and your output descriptor. Okay, now here you go. Here's your Bitcoins. Yes, sure. If you, if you, but I mean, output descriptors are at least as technical as derivations. I mean, I, I think uh, we are still uh, not addressing uh, the need of somebody who wants uh, something simple. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and so in terms of how Electrum currently deals with seeds, as I understand, in Electrum, you can generate your own seed using the Electrum uh, way of doing it. Uh, but if you want to ingest or import the seed, the BIP39 seed, you've got to go into that little, uh, it's like an option. Uh, you, yeah. It's You sort of, yeah, and, and tick there, BIP39, I'm recovering a BIP39 seed. Although uh, arguably you might be able to say that BIP39, you could uh, identify whether that is a BIP39 seed from a checksum uh, and not new, not need any kind of option there. But I suppose from your point no, of view, no, you what, why is that? Uh, I mean, okay, uh, when uh, BIP39 was uh, published first, actually there was uh, collisions with the existing Electrum seeds. Um, uh, okay. So... <laughs> No, you you, you cannot rely on that. This is one of the things that I complained about, but uh, yeah. Gotcha. And so that can also cause differences or difficulties where 
the word lists are different as well, right? Because there's a BIP39 word list and then there's like mm-hmm. an Electrum word list. So then that can be difficult as well. No, no, we have the, we, we have the same word list. Oh, it's the same. Uh, okay. No, okay. Let me, let me, uh, initially the, the Electrum 1.x standard had a different word list. And um, <laughs> after BIP39 was uh, published, uh, we published a new version of the Electrum seed that includes a version number. And this, uh, uh, this new standard uh, does not require any kind of word list. Actually, it was designed to be independent of the word list so that the word list is not part of the standard. Uh, the only thing that matters is the UTF-8 string that you have as your seed. Uh, but in practice, um, we we use the BIP39 word list for that. We started, okay, when, when, when I started that, I thought we would localize the word list and have uh, one word list per language, but it's difficult uh, with uh, with the with the Android keyboard, for example. So uh, we have stopped doing that, and we only have English now. I see. So now it it is using the same word list, but just on a different standard. If I understand you correctly. Yeah, it has a different checksum, and uh, it uses a, a different uh, it uses a different uh, derivation that is uh, depending on a version number. The the word I mean the 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 list of uh, twelve words that you get can be decoded into a version number and this is how you you know how to derive your your keys. Gotcha. Yeah, and I can appreciate this is difficult because there's always competing standards coming and there's always something new, right? So yeah. well, there is a new one coming now. There, there is the the. Um, uh, IZ seed of uh, Neutrino. Yeah, that's right. I was about to mention that because that's another one. And um, as I understand from the LND Lightning Labs team point of view, they wanted something that would have, uh, I think, the birthday. So they know when this wallet was created. So mm-hmm. they know when to scan back in the chain rather than scanning back for, you know, five years back in the chain. You just scan back to the exact yeah. point and yeah. then from then on. And I think it has a version as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. The. Uh, the birthday is interesting because uh, it all depends whether you need to to scan or, or whether you index uh, the blockchain. Uh, so in Electrum, we do not need a, a birthday. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. Uh, is the birthday encoded in the words in, in that standard or is it something that you store separately? I think it is encoded as part of the words. I'm not an I'm it's not an expert on that yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. No, I believe too. I had a look at that standard, and I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as I guess it, it's just it's just a difficult situation. But I guess ultimately everyone wants it to be easy for users and to sort of use the standards that everybody else is using. And I guess from my point of view, I can see a lot of when I'm trying to help a beginner learn about Bitcoin. You know, typically they're they're using a hardware wallet, right? Trezor, Ledger, Coldcard, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all using BIP thirty nine. So then it just, it, I guess, it's difficult for them to now then take their hardware wallet and then now use that with Electrum, which I like as a wallet, and I think it's a good uh, product that you know people should try and use. But yeah, I guess that's that's that. Let's talk a little bit around 
multi-signature because as I understand Electrum right now is pretty much one of the main ways that if somebody wants to DIY multi-sig do your own Electrum is pretty much one of the main ways to achieve that can, can you tell us a little bit about that as a feature um, what can the user do with that uh, what are your thoughts around supporting that going forward as well yes so I think it has to do with the partially signed uh, transaction format that we had uh, before PSBT was a standard. So we, we had already a few years of experience with that um, because uh, we had our own standard. Um, so there are two, uh, I mean, you, you can do multi-sig. There are two ways to do multi-sig in Electrum. Um, the simple way is uh, uh, a commercial product that we have with a company called Trusted Coin. So they provide two of three uh, multi-sig. I mean, uh, they provide two-factor authentication in a two of three multi-sig setup. So uh, it's very easy because uh, the user experience is very similar to a simple standard wallet. Uh, you have a seed and... <laughs> So the the main distinction is that your seed contains two factor out of three. So it is not stored on your computer. You have to only store it on paper. Uh, and your computer will have only one of the three keys. So the co-signer is this company, Trusted Coin, and they, they will sign if you provide the correct uh, Google Authenticator code. So that's the easy way to to do uh, to do multisig in Electrum. Now, if you want to do it yourself, um, the the wallet creation wizard allows you to to uh, set up uh, an arbitrary type of multisig um, with uh, XPub, and uh, so you you just uh, enter your XPub. I mean, you you enter you 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 the XPubs of your cosigners, and then you are asked to share your XPub with your cosigners. So that's uh, <laughs> yeah. It uh, you need a medium of communication when you want to to uh, share the partially signed transaction. So we have implemented. Uh, two or three of them. I mean, uh, QR codes. Um, that's uh, that's also what we use for air-gapped uh, wallets. Um, we have also so so you can have, for example, your computer and your smartphone as a, in a two of two multi-sig, and then uh, the partially signed transaction is shown on one of the screens. The other device scans it and signs it and broadcasts. Um, so yeah, you ha you can use QR codes. You can also use a USB stick. And we also have a, a plugin uh, called the Cosigner Pool, uh, where you can actually uh, send your partially signed transaction encrypted uh, via a server. So you uh, you encrypt it so that only your cosigner can decrypt it, and uh, you send it to a server. The server will index it with the hash of the pub key of uh, the cosigner, so that the cosigner know knows how to request it. And then the cosigner now, I mean, gets a notification that there is a partially signed transaction for him, so he downloads it from the server and he can cosign and broadcast. So yeah, we 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 installed all those ways to uh, to send over. Uh, partially signed transactions to Yukosinas.
Awesome. And uh, what are your thoughts around continued support in multi-signature for Electrum? Is that something you plan to continue? Sorry, continued what? Uh, continue support for multi-signature. Is that something you're interested to keep uh, keep, keep yes, in the world? Uh, the only change is the format now because uh, uh, with PSBT, if you have a multi-sig now, we'll, uh, all the cosigners will have to upgrade to the next version because the, the, the format is different, but uh, it will keep working the same. And I think this is especially powerful because you can use your own hardware wallet with Electrum, which is difficult to do with other wallets and other pieces of software. But with Electrum, you actually can just, you know, for example, plug in your Trezor, you know, you can use uh, the PSBT format with cold card or Ledger. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. You, you can you can actually use, I, th I think we, Electrum was the first wallet also to, to offer this, the capability to use uh, uh, the hardware wallet in a multi-sig setup. This is because we have uh, uh, decoupled the, the wallet from the key store. So the key store is, uh, is uh, the component that signs that holds the private keys and a multi-sig wallet can have, uh, I mean, uh, typically a multi-sig wallet has multiple key stores and those key stores can be uh, interchanged. So the, the wallet doesn't know if it's, uh, if it's a hardware key store or if it's software, if it's Trezor or, or Ledger or if it's watching only. I mean, from the point of view of the wallet, it's, uh, it's not relevant. That's the, that's the separation between the wallet and the key store. Yeah, that's great. Uh, has that been difficult for you around um, interacting with the hardware? So as I know, understand, uh, if you're using Electrum with Linux, you've got to configure UDEV rules and you just need to install a couple of different packages. But then once you've done that, you're good to go. Uh, has, has it been yeah. difficult for you to support and maintain support for the different hardware wallets? Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's not always easy. Uh, but I have a co-worker who is actually passionate by hardware wallets, and he's, uh, he's doing a wonderful job. <laughs> uh, is that Ghost43? So, yeah, that's him. Initially, uh, the, the, the first hardware wallets that we supported were Trezor and Ledger, and the plugins have been uh, developed uh, by, the, by the manufacturers. Uh, they 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 no longer support them, so we have to do the support. But they actually they provided the initial version of the plugins, so they they submitted this. Typically, we we yeah we get uh, pull requests from the hardware manufacturer whenever they they there is a new hardware wallet coming, and we we ask them to provide some samples, of course. So, so that we can test the pull request. Fantastic. Yeah, I like that. Um, it's a, it gives an option for people who would like to go fully DIY. And that way, if they've got their own Electrum server, Electrum wallet, and then the different hardware wallets now, they can actually do multi-signature with that. So I'm also interested to talk about Lightning, Thomas. So obviously, you recently made the announcement and you did a talk at the Lightning conference. Can you give us just a bit of an overview on Electrum and Lightning? Yes, sure. Um... Where should I begin? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe start with um, what 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 was it that made you want to get Lightning? Oh, the whole scalability debate. When I first read the the initial Lightning proposal, I I really thought it was brilliant. The Tajidria uh, paper um, that uh, I mean it, it's 
the spec has has changed because now we are implementing lightning is easier because uh, the it doesn't have to be so complicated but it's still complicated but okay i mean what what really decided me is the the whole uh, scalability debate because uh, i think uh, that's the only way for bitcoin to really scale and yeah i i, <laughs> I think uh, i think it's absolutely fantastic it will i i'm confident it will work so we have not finished uh, implementing lightning i mean it's already available so the announcement that i made is uh, not about a release it's about the fact that uh, we have merged this in the master branch of electrum uh, so we started developing uh, the lightning version in a in another branch uh, meaning uh, that uh, users who uh, download Electrum from GitHub do not instantly have access to this branch. So we do this because it's not uh, stable enough. And once something is uh, is stable, uh, we uh, w- once we feel more confident that other people can use it, we merge it into the master branch. So this is what we have done about a month ago, um, more than a month now. Yeah, um, <laughs> and. Um, so it also means that the next major release of Electrum will have Lightning. Uh, we still have a few things to to fix before the, that release, so it's not going to be tomorrow and not next week. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's clearly getting somewhere. And and now that this branch has been merged into Master, we receive feedback from users who actually use it. And uh, I mean, we receive much more feedback now than when it was in a separate branch, of course. So uh, this is very useful. I think if you are uh, listening to this and if you are uh, an Electrum user, you want to try to help us, you should definitely try to to use the Lightning branch and to share uh, with us uh, your, your feedback. Great. And Thomas, can you give us an overview what it looks like? So users, maybe users who are not familiar with Electrum, there are different tabs. You've got history, send, receive, addresses, coins. And Thomas, can you tell us what it looks now looks like with Lightning now? Oh, it's, it's very similar to what it used to be. You can send and receive using the send and receive tabs of Electrum, uh, whether it's on-chain or Lightning. Uh, the, the those tabs have been generalized. So they support both on-chain and Lightning. And in your history, you will see uh, the the Lightning transactions as well as the on-chain transactions. Uh, The only new tab that you will see is uh, a tab that has your channels. And that's what you use if you want to create a new channel. Yeah, we recent we recently added uh, the coin control to the channel creation, so you can actually use a particular coin to to open your channel. Um, but so the user interface is very is very similar to what it used to be. Some things have changed, of course. For example, if you in your receive tab, you have to decide whether you receive on chain or on lightning. So you're not going to generate the same type of invoice. And in the send tab, uh, the fee slider has disappeared because at that point, the wallet doesn't know if you're sending on-chain or not. 
So it's going to show you the fee slider only after it knows. So uh, when you press pay, it will show you the fee slider and ask for you for, for, for the password. So these are, these are changes, uh, adjustments that we made so that we can uh, handle uh, lightning invoices and on-chain invoices in a, in a homogeneous way. Yeah, that's really cool. And I like how you mentioned uh, coin control. So you can actually take a very specific UTXO and open the channel only with that UTXO. I like that because there are more advanced users out there who might really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a scoop. This is as of today. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's great because, uh, you know, someone might want to do, say, say someone wants to do a coin join and then they want to open the channel only with this UTXO. Well, this would be, as I, mm-hmm. as I understand it, I don't think any other Lightning wallet has that. So this would be a first. That's really cool. Um, so can we talk through a little bit around how it would work in terms of um, if you shut down your Electrum wallet. So uh, in my mind, I'm thinking of the typical, if you're running LND or C Lightning, you might have that running on on some box somewhere and then interact with that using a wallet application such as you know Zap Wallet or Spark if you're using C Lightning. Um, mm-hmm. In the case of Electrum Lightning, how, how would that work? Is there like an underlying daemon that's running in the background or... I guess what I'm trying to say is, imagine the user is using Electrum just on their laptop, and uh, how would that work then with Lightning? Uh, are you referring to the issue of watching your channel when you're offline? Oh, that's part of it too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, that's... Uh, so we have implemented actually a watchtower, but uh, it's, it's not really uh, easy to use at the moment. Regarding, yeah, you can also use uh, Electrum as a daemon. Uh, there is a mode that allows you to do that, but that implies that uh, you your machine is actually always on, which is rarely the case for, for users. So I think uh, in the long run, we will have watchtowers. Uh, the problem currently with the watchtower is that um we don't have uh, l2 it's a so it, it's a future specification of lightning uh, without l2 uh, running a watchtower is kind of uh, space uh, intensive it's it requires uh, to store a lot of data and uh, you you have to keep this data until i mean for for the life cycle of the channel um so <laughs> So with, what we have done is we have implemented uh, a watchtower that users can actually run themselves. Uh, we might start a service, uh, a commercial watchtower service, uh, but um, at this point, uh, we I think uh, we will wait until L2 is available before we do that. Um, Nothing is really clearly decided on, on that end. But uh, yeah, I mean, the general context is that when you have a lightning uh, channel, uh, you should not be offline for too long unless somebody watches your channel. So um, this depends uh, of the... This depends on the CSV delay that is used to, to set the, the channel. Um, so a typical, yeah, it depends on the, on, on the implementations. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, 
So uh, if the if the other party closes the channel with a with an old state, uh, and so uh, they can potentially steal your coins. Uh, at least uh, they can they can uh, steal part of your coins. Uh, yeah, maybe I should explain that in more details. Uh, so if we have a channel and uh, I have uh, one and you have zero, and then at some point uh, I send you zero point five, so we both have zero point five, and then uh, you go offline. I could broadcast to the previous state where I have one, and then you would lose 0.5, right? So you can actually prevent that if you check regularly, because there is a delay called the CSV delay during which you can punish me. So if I broadcast in an old state, uh, and you see that before the expiration of the CSV delay, you, you can actually uh, punish me by... Uh, broadcasting a transaction that will attribute to you all the, the funds in the channel. So um, this is how, uh, I mean, this is the, the game theory behind Lightning. Um, so for this to work, you need to uh, either be online all the time or have a watchtower. Uh, Watchtower is a service that does this for you. So this service checks that your channel is uh, has not been closed and if if it has been closed with an old state then this watchtower is going to broadcast the the punishment transaction um so yeah we have implemented the watchtower that does that but uh we don't think that we are going to provide this uh as a service ourselves so the code is available is open source is part actually of electrum so you can pretty easily set up your own watchtower with electrum if uh, if you want to do so but okay i'm saying pretty easily but it still requires a bit of technical knowledge so i hope that in a, in the future iterations of the of the code we, we can make this really uh, user friendly but uh, that's not going to be for the first version of uh, of Lightning on a laptop. Gotcha. Um, and I guess one other point is, even just without the watchtowers, even without the justice transaction process, as you mentioned, what about just for the point of routing? Uh, unless it's uh, Electrum, uh, if you're if you're using it in a like a you're just like a user with a laptop and you're not having it permanently on with the daemon, then. You, you, I guess that user is not going to be a routing user. That person is just more like a like a retail customer kind of person. Um, I guess that's the other question. No, yeah. yeah. I guess that's the other question I've got as well. Um, we have not really implemented routing. Uh, I mean, we, we have implemented it, but without all the, the necessary security checks uh, that should go with it. So uh, by default, uh, you will not be routing and your channels are going to be private. Uh, so it's uh, it's very similar to to Eclair. Uh, it's uh, yeah, you have to see it as a as a client uh, similar to Eclair rather than similar to LND. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes um, a lot more sense now in my mind because uh, basically it's it's not for routing. Uh, it's not for a Lightning router person. It's for a like a retail level customer who wants to just use Lightning on the Lightning network as opposed to... Like yeah, yeah. The, the, the pattern of usage is, is also, I mean, if you have a light wallet, uh, you turn it on and you turn it off. You're, you're not always online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting model as well. I, for me, I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm seeing it more like people will have 
their their little node back home and they'll remote control it and uh, so i'm in my mind i'm thinking of that model where it's always on lightning and that node is always on and, and it is doing little bits of routing uh but different models and different uses uh are necessary well you you could have that and uh, connect your electron uh, wallet to your own node yeah that, that's possible too just like you, you mentioned earlier that you have uh, uh, your own Electrum uh, server, so that means you roll a full node. Uh, yeah, if you if you want to to have uh, this kind of uh, security, you can do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, then then you don't need a watchtower if you connect to yourself. Yeah, that's great. I've also got the question around uh, implementation of Lightning. So currently, so there's you know, the three main uh, implementations of Lightning and uh, Electrum is creating its own, you know, the Electrum team is creating its own uh, implementation using Python. Is that going to be difficult to maintain going forward or is it something that you're just, you're just committed to that and that's uh, you're planning to uh, maintain a Python implementation of Lightning? I think there has to be a Python implementation of Lightning. Okay, initially, uh, when I decided to integrate Lightning into Electrum, I thought uh, we would actually use one of the existing implementations, uh, C Lightning or LND, uh, and to uh, to run it on a remote node and to have Electrum like to be a light client to those, but. The security model doesn't work like that. You would actually need to have the uh, whatever full implementation that you that you want. You you need to have it on your own device, um, and then uh, so so we started to to look into the code of uh, C Lightning and LND and to modify it in order to to match it to our needs but it turns out that it's uh, i mean it's complicated to implement but it's also complicated to read especially if you have not written it so and if it's written in a language that you don't know so it turns out it's probably easier to read the balls and it's actually more motivating to to read the balls and to implement them so that's why uh, after six months of playing with the existing implementations, uh, I decided that we should we should just uh, implement it in Python. Great. Uh, and then uh, I suppose as the standard evolves, as things come in, let's say AMP, uh, you know, multi-path payments and so on, then essentially it just means you've got to keep pace with that and then create your own implementation yes, of, of those. Yeah, sure. But uh, I believe that the the... The most difficult part is behind us. I mean, maybe I'm too optimistic, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, AMP uh, doesn't seem to be uh, too difficult. Well, there there, there were uh, a few interesting proposals during this Lightning conference. Uh, so we'll have to see. Also, I mean, it's too early to to know what's what's going to be a standard. I'm really looking forward to L2 actually. Um, Although, yeah, L2 also has been criticized because of the of the lack of um, uh, justice transactions. Right. No punishment, no penalty for cheating um, aspect. Yeah. Um, which might mean maybe people will be more inclined to close channels. Uh, That's why. Uh, and yeah. I guess part of the argument is that with Lightning, we are taking 
transactions off the chain. And so theoretically, we want to keep channels open longer so that we can remove more from the chain and therefore, uh, you know, scale it better in that way. So, yeah, I guess there's different arguments there. But I think on the whole, Mm. we would say L2 is obviously a a positive. um, But I think realistically, it might be some time off before we actually some time away before we actually get l2 as i understand we need Schnorr. yeah i, I don't yeah. know if it's yeah it's it's probably going to take some time but i'm mentioning it because of the of the watchtower context mm. because uh, uh like i said without l2 um the economics of uh, a watchtower are, are not very clear uh, because it requires uh, a lot of data um you have to to store uh, those justice transactions that are pre-signed by the user, but they, they, since they don't know the fee level, they have to pre-sign at different fee levels uh, because they don't know how, how what 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 the fees are going to be in the future. So and, and it turns out that every time you do a payment, you don't do just one uh, commitment transaction. You you have to to try many times because sometimes the payment fails. So that that ends up with a lot of, uh, of transactions. So uh, I'm saying that because um, if we want to, to give this service to our users, we cannot do it for free and we have to set a price on this. And at this point, I have absolutely no idea what can be realistic. Uh, how what what would be the cost on our side, and uh, what are what is uh, the cost that users would be willing to pay? So yeah, that's a big question. Yeah, that's a that's a, it's a yeah. I guess some of these are just unanswered questions. We don't we don't know, and we won't find mm-hmm. out for some time until. Uh... Well, we won't find out until we try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I guess uh, that, that's lightning. Uh, I was also just keen to discuss around the Electrum servers. As I understand, there are three that I know of. So there's Electrum X, there is uh, Electrum Rust server, and then there's Electrum personal server by uh, Chris Belcher. And as I understand, EPS is a bit different because it's it's more like a lightweight version where you only scan for your own yeah. extended yeah. public key, whereas the Electrum X and Electrum Rust servers are more like scan the entire chain uh, and then yeah. you've got your own server well ideally if you run your if you run that uh, what's your what are your thoughts on the electrum on the different electrum servers well since bitcoin has decided uh, not to uh, scale by multiplying the block size on a regular interval i think that uh, it will be possible in the future to index uh, the the whole blockchain i mean it if you have the blockchain, building an index of it is uh, uh, is multiplying your disk requirement by a constant factor. I mean, by two or two point five. Uh, that's it, depending on on the implementation. So I don't think it's really a problem to to index the the blockchain. And I, I would really look forward to uh, Bitcoin Core doing that because in that case we would not need an Electrum server anymore. So, uh, yeah, regarding uh, EPS, Electrum Personal Server, it's uh, it saves some space, some disk space. But it's often misunderstood because, because some people think that they have more privacy. What is true is that you have more privacy, of course, if you run your own uh, Electrum Server. 
than if you do not. If you do not, then uh, you disclose your addresses to whoever runs the Electrum server that you're going to use. But if you decide to use your own server, uh, there is, uh, I mean, I <coughs> I think <coughs> um, first th there is no... There is no real advantage uh, besides this space uh, to using uh, Electron Personal Server. I've never used it myself, but uh, because I, I use Electron X, I also never tried Electron Errors. Uh, I use Electron X because it's written in Python. So uh, if I need uh, to make some changes to it, then I can do them myself and submit them uh, to to the developer of Electron X. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, what what I wanted to say is that uh, Electrum RS, uh, sorry, uh, Electr EPS. I'm getting confused. Uh, EPS works by scanning uh, the the chain, uh, and it's configured with your master public key. Uh, so this model is going to break with Lightning, because uh, Lightning imposes that you have to watch addresses that cannot be predicted from your master public key. Uh, of course, uh, it's always possible to, to make some changes to the software so that uh, you can uh, tell uh, uh, EPS to watch for this particular address after this particular block number and then uh, then it could keep working but i i don't know if the the developer of eps are, are actually going to do that so some if if you if you want to test electrum with the lightning version you you cannot use eps at the moment Gotcha. Right. So you'll need to do Electrum X or Electrum Rust server. And uh, this is why I'm a fan of uh, projects such as the MyNode or the Noddle, which kind of package in Electrum server with it as well. So MyNode has the Electrum Rust server and Noddle has the Electrum X built into it. So I like that because then uh, when I'm recommending for a beginner, I normally try to push them down that pathway of getting their own uh, Electrum server running and then they've got Electrum on their desktop or the laptop so now they're connecting with their own server so that's always a model that i'm happy to try and uh, recommend for beginners um yeah and you could also imagine that this these boxes could uh, at some point include a, a watchtower so so that uh, because uh, it's connected uh, i mean it's supposed to be connected uh, all the time or most of the time and uh, it has some disk storage so it could actually contain your watchtower uh and uh th that means it doesn't have your private keys so uh, if somebody steals this uh this box then uh, there is no there is no nothing valuable inside gotcha uh but i suppose at that point then you would need ideally some way of um electrum mobile having lightning as well right so then that way you can connect back to your own like while you're out and about on your mobile that you can um, connect back. Uh, so currently, uh, wallets that support this approach right now is uh, Spark Wallet with C Lightning, uh, Zap with your own LND, uh, Zeus with your own LND. I think Blue Wallet as well. Uh, they're, they're just a few options that you can do on the mobile while you're out, but connecting back to your own node, which is uh, which is an approach I, I like uh, because there's just less trade-offs trade as well. 
um, whereas some of the like mobile node oh. lightning um, a little bit more difficult. Oh, you you mean a, a mobile front end to yeah. uh, to a LND on your on your node? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but then would a similar yeah, no, thing like that? Yeah, this is not what. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's a different model. Uh, what I was talking about is a, a model where your mobile has your private keys, so Electrum, and then the the box that uh, I mean Nodal or whatever. Uh, does not contain any private keys. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the, it. It would have a watchtower, but uh, no private keys. Right. Yeah. So, so it's a it's a, it's a completely different model. We will uh, we will have uh, Electrum. Uh, the 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 Lightning support is also coming to to Android to the Android version of Electrum actually. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. So uh, another question I had was just around uh, this question of software that is purpose-built only for one specific thing versus software that is uh, more of a monolith, let's say. So in the future, it may be that people will use very specific pieces of software for specific purposes. So let's say they want a multi-signature, you know, cold storage. They Maybe they would use a very specific piece of software that only does that. Uh, but then on the other hand, there is a benefit there of having everything in one piece of software that everybody knows. Uh, how, how are you thinking about that, that idea? And uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is can, w w does Electrum become more like a monolith in that model because you've got hardware wallets, you've got multi-signature, you've got lightning, it's kind of all in one. What's your view? Oh, there are really advantages to integrating things because uh, it's uh, easier to make them interoperate. So... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I see, I see what you mean, but uh... I guess let me motivate that in another way. Like someone might think from a security point of view, oh, I need to minimize my attack surface for my cold storage, mm -hmm. and so I want to make sure that what this software that I'm doing only does exactly the things that I want, so that I'm minimizing the attack surface. But the difficulty then is obviously trying to make that work with different setups, right? So for example, if you wanted to also support hardware wallets, well, now you need to have hardware wallet support. So there's, there's a bit of a tension there, I think, that some users will face when they're trying to think of ways to, you know, obviously improve their security. Okay, let, let me go in your direction uh, because the first Bitcoin software that came out was uh, monolithic. Uh, the, the software by Satoshi Nakamoto was doing everything. I mean, it was uh, it was doing the protocol, the blockchain, uh, the wallet, everything. Uh, and uh, now we have wallets that do not do the Bitcoin core part. Uh, so Electrum actually, when I introduced it, it was introduced like that. I mean, it was one of the one of the arguments was that. Uh, uh, we are only doing a wallet, so uh, we're not. I mean, uh, the scope of our project is uh, much smaller than uh, than Bitcoin Core because Bitcoin Core they they have to deal with an incredibly difficult task, which is uh, the consensus and uh, the 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 security of the blockchain. Um, so uh, yeah, I I I I, under, I mean. I think you're right that uh, when you can reduce the scope of your doing of what you're doing, then uh, then uh, it's better for safety. Now, um, 
that's also yeah talking briefly about hardware wallets that's a reason why they are not actually part of the core of electron but they are plugins because uh, then uh, we we let other people develop those plugins um <laughs> but okay um now uh, lightning is uh, is really a different object uh my initial like like i said before my initial uh, plan was to integrate with an existing implementation of lightning and then i realized that uh, if this uh, implementation of lightning was running on a remote machine then uh, this remote machine can actually harm me uh, it it can uh, it can close my channel without my consent it can do stuff that i don't want so uh, that's why we concluded that we had to have the lightning implement, implementation running on the same machine as electron and and therefore that uh, that we wanted to to build our own implementation so yeah it's motivated by by some security considerations i i i i'm a fan of electrum i like using it um but i guess i'm just asking the question just to understand uh, a little bit more about you know future direction of uh electrum wallet uh what way, what way it's going but uh, definitely I'm excited to see uh, Lightning in the wallet and the next version. Yeah, I suppose uh, they're, they're the main questions I had. Did you have any uh, final comments or anything else that you wanted to point out to the listeners about Electrum or anything else around Bitcoin? Oh, yes, sure. Um, concerning the future developments, I think I want to add that uh, we are just at the beginning of Lightning. And uh, like you said, Lightning is... Uh, is not something uh, that can be considered as finished. It's uh, it's really uh, it's going to be huge, and uh, I think it's going to keep us busy. So the the future developments are probably going to be mostly on Lightning. That's great. Uh, so Thomas, just make sure you let my listeners know where can they find you or follow you online. Um, so the website is electrum.org, electrumum.org. And the official announcements and security announcements they they are done on Twitter. So I'm uh, I'm not very active on Twitter, but uh, if there is something important, then uh, it's it's announced there. And if the, whenever there is a new version, it's also announced there. So uh, the Twitter account is uh, Electrum Wallet. Fantastic. I'll include the links in the show notes. And uh, thank you again for joining me today, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Stefan. It was a pleasure. So those of you looking to get a cold card and air gap it with Electrum Wallet, remember you can use promo code LAVERA at coinkite.com when ordering to get a discount. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you like the show and you want to help me reach more people, please do give me a five-star rating and review. As always, the show notes and the transcript are available at stefanlavera.com. That's it from me. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the Citadels. Mm-hmm.